Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Mission Church, Merry Christmas. Holy cow, it is 2020 candlelight service and we're still online. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. I remember having Easter online thinking there's no way we'll be in this during our candlelight service. Well, I was wrong. Uh, COVID was right. I tipped my cap one more time. But here's what I know. God's still gonna move today. I believe that uh, this candlelight service, though it's different, I believe it's gonna be just as impactful or maybe even more. If you're brand new to our church, we're in a series titled Knowing God, Knowing God. I thought it'd be the perfect series to be in uh, during Christmas because it's all about Jesus. And what's Christmas about? It's all about Jesus. And I'm not sure about you, but Christmas is my favorite holiday. Oh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite holiday. If Christmas is your favorite, give me a thumbs up. Give me a yes, uh, me too. If 4th of July is yours, talk to me later. We'll talk during July. Does that sound good? Okay. Now, here's why I love Christmas. I love Christmas music. I mean, I'm the early Christmas music person. I'm talking about November. I'm starting to get a little like, oh, maybe, maybe it's time for some in-sync Christmas songs in my car. That's how much I love Christmas music. My favorite two songs in all of the world for Christmas music is in-sync, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Don't Judge Me. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Ooh, yeah. Come on, it's so good. They're in, the, they're in the sleigh ride. It's an amazing song. Don't hate. My second one, though, comes from 1961, Nat King Cole, and it's literally titled The Christmas Song. And it's a little song that goes on to say, I know it's been said many times, many ways. Merry Christmas to you. That's my best effort, okay? Those are my two favorite songs, all of the world. It's non-negotiable. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong. Hold on a second. I'm gonna give you a chance to speak up. What's your favorite Christmas song? Real quick, right in the chats. I wanna see some uh, favorite Christmas songs real quick. Whatever it is, throw it on the board. I wanna check it out. I'm gonna give five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so that's one of my favorite things about Christmas. You know what else I love about Christmas? Christmas movies. Oh, I love me a good Christmas movie. Rachel and I, for seven days straight, have put it on a Christmas movie at the end of our day to finish our day. So we've been putting on Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Four Christmases, first time I saw it. I was pleasantly surprised. I loved it. But if I could just interject here, the greatest Christmas movie of all time, and I'm saving it because it's a little too early to watch the greatest Christmas movie of all time before Christmas, it's Die Hard. It is Die Hard, John McClane. I think it's the greatest Christmas movie ever made. Now, some of you are like saying, I don't even know what that is a Christmas movie. Well, this, uh, this week, uh, Nick Villanueva, shout out, one of my good buddies, uh, our shortstop on the softball team, a guy who makes coffee on Sundays, just a, a great person, great dad, great human. Uh, he shot me a text this week and said, Tyler, the local news station is doing a poll. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And I started laughing. I said, well, what did they say? And he said, 51% of the people said no. It's not a Christmas movie. And I was like, hold on a second. I told Rachel, and I said, obviously, the 51% that said it isn't a Christmas movie has no idea about the real Christmas story. They have no idea about really what Jesus' life and birth was all about because it's more like Die Hard than it is some Hallmark Christmas movie. I'm just gonna say it again. The, the birth of Jesus, the Christmas story, is more like Die Hard than it is more like the new Netflix uh, California Christmas movie, which I haven't seen. I saw the trailer. I said, I'm good. Um, and here's what I mean and why I believe that. I'm gonna submit my, my thought to you. Die Hard is explosions. It's the good guy defeating evil. Uh, Die Hard is John McClane had plans, but then he decided his plans were exploded, so he decided to save the day. Now let's, let's just look at Die Hard real quick action-packed. The Christmas story, not a Christmas story, the Christmas story of Jesus. 
Man, we, we see Hallmark movies and we see these little manger scenes. It does no justice to really what happened on the morning that Jesus was born. And not only does it do no justice about the morning Jesus was born, it does not give any justice to what was happening leading up to that birth. Because the birth of Jesus, explosions everywhere. Hey Mary, your life's going all normal. Explosion, your plans are gone. You're gonna be a virgin, you're gonna birth the child of God. I don't know what you're planning for your life, Mary, but now you're gonna actually birth the son of God. How's that sound? That's exploding your plans. I don't know about you, but this little manger scene that we picture, it's not just a, a soft little scene. You gotta understand this. A young girl in labor pains, walking around, looking for a place to birth the son of God, and she's getting rejected by place after place. This is no Hallmark movie. This is no homework. Finally, she finds a barn. Uh, most historians and scholars believe it's actually a cave barn where the animals would be. So a cave, a barn, whichever you want, and a place that would be cold. It wouldn't be a great place to have a baby, but it's the only place that she could find. Oh, again, I'll say this. The best ability is availability. God's just looking for yeses. He was willing to say yes to being birthed in a barn because that was the yes. You have this man named Joseph who is betrothed to this woman named Mary. And it comes to him that his wife is pregnant with the son of God. Sorry, Joseph, I thought you were going you to have a normal life. Boom, your plans exploded. There was a king named Herod. And you know anything about the, uh, the Herod the king? He wanted to kill all the young babies because he was that afraid of Jesus. Herod killed his whole family. Herod was crazy. Um, Augustus, the Caesar, said this. It is better to be the pig of Herod than his own son because he's a crazy king. There are evil people in this story. And then to top it all off, Augustus, who's the Caesar at this time, is being worshiped as the savior of the world at the same time that Jesus is being born. The people during Jesus' birth were so eager to find a savior. They wanted a God. Life was in chaos. And so Caesar Augustus became the first living God, if you will. He tried to declare it himself and people actually worshiped him. It's interesting to me that the picture is that the man with all the power and with all the name, the world looked at and said, that's the one that can save us. But at the same time, in a manger, a little baby that had to depend on his mom to be fed, the son of God was the one that actually saved the world. I don't know about you, but some people today, I feel like it's the same today. Looking at politics and power and money to save the world. No, the same little baby that was birthed in the manger is the same one that can save the world today and save you today. Woo, that's the Christmas story. I like a lot of great Christmas movies. We could debate favorite Christmas movies. You can write yours in the chats real quick. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Let me see some favorite Christmas movies. We can debate favorite Christmas movies. We can debate favorite Christmas songs. But here's what we can't debate. There was one story, the Christmas story. You'll find it in Matthew. You'll find it in Luke. You'll find it in the Gospels. And it shows the, the kingdom of heaven ripping open and sending down the savior of the world into a dark world. You wanna hear that Christmas story? Here's the time of message today. Knowing God, the, all caps, T-H-E, caps, the Christmas story. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for, uh, again, what this, um, this series is all about. It's all about you. God, I thank you for this message that just reminds us of what Christmas should be about, that presents are good, that the trees are beautiful, and we love the snow, but God, it's all about you leaving your throne and coming to a manger to save a dark world, to defeat death and defeat sin. Oh, Lord, I pray that this would be a fresh message. It would be a, a, for a fall on fresh ears. Lord, that we would be so eager to live the life you called us to live because we heard the story of your birth. And everybody said, amen. All right, so I'm gonna kind of stick with the kind of phrasing of explosion, uh, like Die Hard. Just so at the end of this, all of you guys understand that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So my first point uh, is simply this. 
that the genealogy explodes religion. What are you talking about the genealogy for, Tyler? Well, this leads up to Jesus' birth. It's Matthew 1. We all, I, I always skip the genealogies in the Bible. Don't skip this one. Uh, the genealogy explodes sexism. The genealogy explodes elitism. Um, the genealogy tears down walls before, between sinners and saints. The genealogy tears down walls between men and women. It, it tears down walls between Jews and Gentiles. It just tears them down. And yet, again, I'll just read a little bit of it to you. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It goes on to talk about uh, a handful of different uh, uh, people whose birth uh, from. It goes, you know, son of uh, Abraham. And then it goes on to say, 14 more generations. Now, here's what you need to know about the culture back then. If you were a Jewish person, you needed to prove your genealogy a handful of generations back to be married to another Jewish person. If you didn't have your genealogy in order, you couldn't even marry somebody who was a Jewish person, if you were a Jewish person. Let me go a step further. If you wanted to be a priest, you had to take your genealogy and prove it all the way back to the uh, priest of Aaron. That would be Moses' time. You'd have to show your genealogy all the way back to Aaron. The author, Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes the genealogy of Jesus' genealogy all the way past Aaron, all the way to Abraham. The genealogy of all genealogies. So at first glance, if you're a religious person, you're an elitist, you're like, woof, this genealogy, 14 generations, it qualifies Jesus more than any other person. But then you take a closer look at this genealogy and you'll find out that if you're a religious person, it's going to frustrate you because the people that are listed in the 14 generations are people that should never have been listed in the genealogy of Jesus. So here's the first thing that Jesus wanted to do. I actually want to read a couple of the genealogies. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. We're going to talk about Tamar in a second. Perez, uh, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amidabab, Amidabab, I tried. Uh, and then the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Yes, Salmon, which is one of my favorite fishes. Salmon, the father of Boaz, who was the mother uh, was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose the mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And I skipped down to 16 for you. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations all for Abraham to David. So you see all these things. And another amazing thing I'm just gonna show you about the genealogy is it actually shows the gospel in three parts. They wrote it in three different sections. So they split up all three generations and you see the very beginning of the, the beginning, Abraham to David. So the first section shows man was built for greatness. It's the greatest run of the Israelites. So you see like this promise. All right, God comes on the scene. Abraham, I'm creating a new nation. I'm creating the, the, the Jews. And it's this perfect thing. Then the, the, the second section is man's fall from greatness. Oh, they just absolutely fall. You just see this absolute uh, Babylon exile. They, they get put into captivity and it's just the Jews at their worst moment. That's the, the second section. And the third section is this epic comeback of saying mankind is gonna be redeemed from its worst mistakes and failures. Three sections right there. You see the gospel just in the genealogy. But my favorite part of this genealogy is that Jesus wanted us to see his genealogies to explode our idea of how he wants to get things done. It shows his faithfulness. I, I think of 
If you asked me what my day looked like yesterday or how I got to California even, or how I got to uh, the Bay Area, I'd be like, okay, so I was, in, I was born in Tacoma General, and then I, then I was, uh, moved to uh, uh, um, Lakewood for a little bit. Then I moved Lakewood to Puyallup, and then we were in Puyallup, and then, and then I lived in Puyallup for a while, but then I, then I moved to Olympia to be a pa- youth pastor, and then I moved down to LA for Bible college, and then I was in San Dimas, and then, then I moved up to Burbank, and then, and then I got a job at Van Nuys, and after Van Nuys, I, I, went, I went up to uh, another church in, in, in the Bay Area, and then I thought I was gonna move back to LA, but then the Lord had me come to, to uh, Walnut Creek and I planned the church and then we were in Heather Farms and then we were at Heather Farm Community Center and then after Heather Farm Community Center we were uh, in a church on Sunday nights because we couldn't find a place. Then we were in a shade lens and then we were in a school. Oh, and then now we're here. If you made me read that before I said yes, I don't know if I would have said yes. You're gonna go here, you're gonna go here, you're gonna go here, you're gonna go here, you're gonna failures, you're gonna have a terrible time, here, here, but now you're gonna end up here. The genealogy shows all these ups and downs of mankind but God's promise still in the midst of murder, in the midst of prostitutes, God's plan will be done. Can I tell you something real quick? God's plan will be done in your life. The genealogy, if you wanna, get, you wanna have faith that God's gonna finish what he wants to do in your life, just read the genealogy in Matthew 1. You're welcome, okay? It will explode and have your faith explode the things that you can see God can do in your life. But my favorite thing is there's three things that he explodes. First one's this, Jesus came to explode elitism, elitism. You will see some of the worst sinners in the genealogy. Some of the worst sinners. You don't want to write these people in. You didn't have to. People are left out of this one. These, there was so many people to write. He didn't have to write every generation. So he wrote 14 of the generations. Here's a handful of people that you're going to see in this genealogy. You're going to see a murderer in this genealogy. You're going to see a prostitute named Rahab in this genealogy. You're going to see a Jerry Springer girl named Tamar who seduces her stepdad to try to manipulate a situation. This is some Jerry Springer stuff. The first part, if you are a religious person or you're an elitist, the first thing you're going to say is, let me see the big names. Ooh, David, I'm on board with this guy. King David, I like King David. Okay, who's that? Oh, Solomon, yeah, he's wise. Okay, Rahab, hold on a second. Wasn't she a prostitute? What she, I'm elitist. Prostitutes can't be in this story. This don't make my list. Hold on a second, Tamar. She's the Jerry Springer chick that literally slept with her stepdad. Oh, this, there's no way. This, the elitist would just would almost balk at this list. And Jesus comes to say, hey, I make the people that uh, I want to use. I'm the one who picks the qualified. You don't pick the qualified. I don't care what you think about the list. I qualify the list. Let's keep going. Jesus came to explode sexism. Just in the genealogy, you got to think about this. All these things that lead up to his birth, Jesus came to explode sexism. Women were property at this time. They weren't even called a person. They were called a thing. They were traded like cattle, if you will. Jewish men would pray this prayer. Oh God, I thank you. I thank you that I'm a man. I thank you that I'm not a Samaritan. And I thank you I'm not a woman. These were the sexist, demeaning prayers. Men thought they were better than women. And so what does the Lord do? Hey, put some women in the genealogy. I want, I want women's names in the genealogy. I want Ruth in there. I want Rahab in there. I want Tamar in there. There's a couple other ones. I want other women in that genealogy. And again, women weren't supposed to be in genealogies. This is, this is the, the way that the men wanted it back then. But God wanted the women mentioned because here's what he was doing. Hey, you value women here. Guess what? Men and women, they're created equal. They're not the same, but they're created equal. All you sexist men, I'm sorry. I gotta let you know something. The gospel elevates women. They are powerful. I'm so glad I married Rachel. Oh, I'm so thankful. It's it's shocking to me that some denominations make women sit down and do nothing else. I would be grieved to be a part of a church if we wouldn't, if we didn't empower women to walk in their grace to go change the world. 
oh, I love that I married Rachel and she's a world changer. I love that she wants to do great things in her life. I love that God's knit her in a way to do great things. Are we the same? No. Do we have the same uh, um, mantle in our life? No. Do we have the same calling? No. Is our house in order? Yes, we're doing good. Don't worry. We know scripture. We're doing great. Woo! But man, the genealogy exposed sexism right there. Last but not least, Jesus came to explode religion. He came to explode religion. One of my favorite things is you read Ruth and you're like, oh yeah, Ruth's in there. No, Ruth was a Moabite. And you're like, okay, so what, what does that mean for Moabite? Let me read you Deuteronomy 23.3. No Ammonite or Moabite of any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. So Moabites, the translation says that they weren't even allowed in the temple. Hey, Moabites, you're cursed. You're not allowed in the temple all the way up to 10 generations. I don't care if you marry a Jewish person, 10 more generations, you're Moabite blood, you're cursed, you can't walk in the temple. But hold on a second. Ruth is not only not walking in the temple, her bloodline, she is a part of birthing the temple of all temples and his name is Jesus. And here's what Jesus is saying in the gospel. The ones that used to be cursed are now blessed. The ones that could never be picked are now picked by me. So let me just summarize what's happening right now in the genealogy. You may look at it and say, as a religious person wouldn't go, let me see if this Jesus is qualified to be my savior. Can I tell you something real quick? He doesn't have to qualify himself to you. He does not have to give you any qualifications. He is the king of the universe. He is the king of kings, the alpha and the omega. He holds everything in the palm of his hands. So let me tell you something real quick. He's not writing this to qualify himself. He wrote it to qualify you. He wrote the genealogy to say, you don't feel like you're qualified? Can I tell you something real quick? People come to church all the time. I just don't know if God could use me. Read the genealogy. Are you a murderer? Are you a prostitute? Are you seducing your stepdad? Oh, you're not? You will, I think God can use you. What's crazy is God puts the worst and the worst in the genealogy. He says, I can use the worst to birth the son of God. You don't think God can birth something in your life? You think you went too far? Here's a Christmas little present for you. You haven't gone too far. God wants to birth something great in your life. Jesus has come to explode your expectations of your life. It's the genealogy. Woo, start reading your Bible. You're going to like it. Second point, Jesus came to explode your plans. He came to explode Joseph and Mary's plans on a whole nother level. Now, you may be saying, I don't like this verbiage today. You're all this diehard version, explosions. Why are you talking about explode? Let me just tell you something real quick. You would love the verbiage of explosion if I came to you and you're walking into Whole Foods. Say, say you woke up this morning, you're like, all right, so what's my day look like today? Okay, it's, a, uh, it's a, about two o'clock. I've got to go to the Whole Foods and uh, pick up some salmon and some broccoli for the family. And uh, maybe Bed Bath & Beyond, maybe they're still open. I think they're essential. We'll see what happens. And so that's your plan for the day. And then maybe you're going to go home and maybe we'll watch Elf or, or How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, it's going to be a great day. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Well, imagine me meeting you in the parking lot and saying, hey, I got a Visa black card, no limit. Somebody gave it to me. I can charge as much as I want to charge on it. Would you like to go on the greatest adventure with Rachel? You can bring anybody you want. Bring your whole family, bring all your friends. We're going to travel the world. We're going to get on any plane we want to. You want to do a private jet? Let's do a private jet. I'm here to explode your plans today. Oh, you thought Whole Foods and Bed Bath & Beyond was the plan for today? No, no, no. Where you want to go? You want to go to the Amalfi Coast? You want to go to Jamaica? You want to go just to the Midwest so you can actually go shopping again? Come on, wherever you want to go. Do you want to go to a state that actually has some things open? I am here to explode your plans. Mary and Joseph had plans. And their plans were what culture would have them do. Now, let me just kind of give you some context with Joseph and Mary. Uh, at this moment, they are betrothed. 
it says engaged in our translation because we don't use the word betrothed. So there's three phases to marriage in this time. First one is, is marriage is way too serious to let kids pick who they're gonna marry. So the parents would arrange the marriage. So the parents would say, hey, I got this guy named Joseph. He's my son, I think he's a great, great kid. I know Mary, she's single. I think her kids should get married. Maybe you should give me something for me giving you Joseph to marry your daughter. Now, what, do you, what do you think about this? So they would arrange it. And then after they arrange it, a handful of years would go by. And then for one year, they would be betrothed. The betrothed couple. We would use the word engaged here, but they're betrothed. So they would act like they're married for a year. For one year, they'd act like they're married. They're not consummating though, but everything else. It's almost like they're dating very seriously for a year as a um, uh, betrothed couple that the parents uh, uh, have set this up. And then at the very end of it, because it was a very man-centric culture, the man could say, nah, I'm done, I want to divorce her. And he would divorce her and he wouldn't marry her. But at the very end, if you wanted to marry her, they would consummate it with a wedding. And then they would get married and consummate the marriage. And if you don't know the word consummate, ask your mom and dad. You're welcome, parents. Okay, anyways, uh, let's keep going. So Joseph and Mary, they have been set up to be married. They are now betrothed. It's going well. It's going good. And then Jesus comes up and explodes everything. They think they're just gonna have the nice life. Let's go get that little house right there uh, outside of Jerusalem and let's just look at the beautiful valleys and let's just raise some sheep together and have a great life. And then Jesus comes and changes everything. Let's look at the scripture. It says this. Let's look at Joseph's uh, uh, plans uh, exploded. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Pledge was betrothed. That word is betrothed. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and he did not want to expose her public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He had to. So the, the law said, if you're gonna be betrothed and you don't want to marry the person, you divorce him. So he's like, I'm, well, you're pregnant and you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I mean, like, again, you, we think that dreams and miracles were evident back then. This was a very dry time of dreams and miracles. This would be very foreign to both of them. He's like, what is going on? It goes on to say, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid of Mary uh, as your wife because uh, uh, what is conceived uh, in her uh, uh, is from the Holy Spirit. Stop, I, I skipped one of my favorite parts. I wanna go back to 19, forgive me. Uh, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But, if you're at home, everybody say, but. I love, some of the greatest verses in the Bible start with but. But by his grace, but by this. Well, this is uh, Joseph's great but in his. He goes, but after he had considered this. Joseph considered this. So Joseph goes, okay, I think I should divorce her, but I'm gonna consider this real quick. And he goes on to consider it and he decides to stay married to her. Can I just tell you something real quick? Joseph finds out very early that God's plans are not always convenient. You need to consider that real quick. Consider that it might be God even if it's inconvenient. Consider it. I love it. But Joseph considered this. Consider it that it might cost you everything, but it might be for everything. Oh, consider it that you might have to give up this so you can have all of heaven. Oh, consider it. I love that Joseph gives us that model. Oh, God can come into your life, explode your plans. Like, okay, you know what? This is, this is an ideal. I don't like it. I'm just gonna do the normal way to get out of the ideal and move on. But he considered it. Now let's go on to it. But he considered this. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Stop. Now I'm not talking like Joseph's life was exploded a little bit. 
Hey, Joseph, I know, I know uh, Mary's your wife and you usually have your first kid with your wife. Well, sorry, get in line. I'm gonna have the son of God be birthed first. You're not gonna be able to consummate your marriage until after that. You have to be mar- marry her anyways. Okay, that's the first one. Second thing is, is the father, it was the honor of the father this time. The woman did not name the kid. The father named the kid. This was the father's honor. You named the kid for two reasons. You named him with a purpose, so you'd give him a name. So, so one name would be like, we see Jesus do this with Peter. I'm gonna name you Peter because you're a rock. Some parents would name their kids um, uh, names that would be uh, priest names that would say, oh, this, my son's gonna be a priest. I can just see it. I'm gonna name him a priest. I'm gonna name him Aaron so he's, because he's gonna be a priest. So you'd name him with a purpose. The other reason why you named him is it showed your authority and superiority. I'm your dad. I name you. I know better. You always would be like, I know where I got my name from. And I know where I got my purpose from. It was from my dad. And you see right here God's zealous, non-negotiable statement. <laughs> Let's see right here. Ready? He goes on to say, from the Holy Spirit, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It's not like a discussion, like, hey, here's the deal. Um, what should we name him, Joseph? No, you're gonna name him Jesus because God the Father is gonna name his son and his son is Jesus. Now, let me uh, unpack this real quick. Uh, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So let's start to get to know God a little bit real quick. We're in a Knowing God series. So, Jesus comes on the scene and he was named by his dad. And of course, even when he was born, <laughs> this is what's so funny, he was already older than his parents anyway. So why would they have superiority or authority over him? He's already older. Uh, he was the beginning of time. So Jesus goes around and starts renaming everybody, renaming his disciples, saying, hey, come follow me. Hey, your name's Peter now. Hey, I'm gonna call you this now. He's always, hey, sons of thunder. He's just going off and making names. And you're like, man, like, I, I don't see that anymore. If you read your Bible, God will rename you in two seconds. I've been renamed more than I can count in the Bible in all the great ways. I'll read Ephesians and I'll see God name me as a saint and not a sinner. I'll read the Bible and I'll see in Romans that God has named me a conqueror and not a loser, that God has named me blameless, that God has named me purposeful. Can I ask you a question real quick this Christmas? What's named you? Has your greatest failure named you? When you think about your life, what do you resonate with? If I said statements like, I'm divorced, I'm broke, I'm the ugly one, I'm the lonely one, I'm the, I'm the unattractive one. There are statements that you have given yourself or somebody's given you and you've allowed that name to dictate your purpose and your value. And Jesus wants to come in and say, whatever failure or whatever thing you think you've done or whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible cheater. Oh, I'm, I'm terrible at this. I've done this. Jesus says, I want to remove that name and I want to give you a new name. You are sons and daughters of the living God. There is an inheritance. You are a child of God. This is what happens when you hang out with your father of all fathers, the father to the fatherless. Maybe some of you, if I could be honest, you've been named by your successes. Academics have named you. So you think you've achieved, and so academics have become your purpose and everything, so you always talk about them, and you gotta make sure your kids have the same kind of purpose that you did, so you push it on your kids. Maybe your career has named you. So everything comes, because whatever names you has authority over you. You know that, right? So if your career has named you, it has authority over you. If your success has named you, it has authority over you. Oh, the problem with those things, they're a terrible yoke to have authority over your life. Right here, God comes on the scene and explodes so many things in Joseph's life, but all the right things. Man, allow the Lord to explode your name and give you the name that is in the word of God. Oh, child of God, blessed, highly favored. These are things we hear too many times sometimes because we think it's, you know, tokenary. No, these are the things that are inheritance from our father. Man, I'm gonna walk in those things. I'm highly favored. I am chosen. I'm a conqueror. I am blameless. 
Whew, I'm a saint. I mean, you start to have that kind of identity, you're gonna operate different. Let's go to Mary. Mary's life has exploded. So now let's look at Mary's life. <laughs> Luke 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel uh, uh, Gabriel, uh, uh, Naz- uh, Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name uh, was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. There it is. You are highly favored. I love, I love the title. Uh, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. We always pick the manger. Mary was greatly troubled. Hey, how you doing? I'm an angel. Hey, you're going to have the son of God. Huh? I mean, again, when you get the assignment from God, it's not always like, yes. Sometimes it is scary. Sometimes the assignment of God can sound scary. So she's like, she's a little troubled. Here, here's what it says. Uh, uh, might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive uh, and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The, uh, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the question, since I'm a virgin. What we're seeing right here, as scholars say, is we're seeing the first Christian ever get converted. We're seeing them go, this troubles me a little bit. I've got to give up everything then you see, how can this be? You see her processing her salvation. You see her asking questions along the way. She goes, how will this be? Mary asked the question, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who uh, was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month for uh, no word for God will ever fail. She's gonna say, hey, just give you a heads up. You know your, your, your cousin Elizabeth? She's pregnant. I know everybody said she can't be pregnant, but nobody tells anybody they can't be pregnant. Only God decides who can have kids. Goes on to say, I'm the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Stop. You see this thing to the, at the very end. She finally hears, she, okay, so this is the God that I've heard of my ancestors. And you want me to birth the, the Messiah? This troubles me. How can this be? Goes on to say it. And you see her response. It's, 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 it's very bold. If I'm being honest, it mirrors Isaiah 6. She says, I am his servant. Whatever his will is in my life, I say yes to it. Some people say, Tyler, I don't know if I'm saved. One of the biggest things I can say if you've been saved is you've had a salvation moment where you raise your hand to God and said, God, my whole life is yours. Here I am, use me. This is the salvation response of all salvation response. It goes on, Mary writes this song. It says, my spirit and my soul rejoice. Spirit and soul are the same thing. She's saying, the depths of me is rejoicing right now. She writes a song about her salvation. Can I tell you something real quick? When God gets a hold of your life and you say yes to Jesus, you're gonna realize if you got saved or if you said yes to a Santa Claus. Some of you, when you said yes to Jesus, I say yes to God giving me the promotion. I say yes to my life being a little better. That's not a salvation moment. Salvation is where you go, you are the Messiah I am your servant, here I am, use me. Birth the kingdom of God out of me. I am yours, go left, I'll go left. Go right, I'll go, le- uh, go right. This is Mary saying, okay, I get it. You're exploding my plans now. Keep exploding for the rest of my life. Can, can, I, can I submit to you another little Christmas gift? One of the greatest prayers you can say every day is this. God, explode my plans and may I say yes to your plans. Oh, I'm your servant. Two more points, we're almost done. Jesus came to explode performance, explode performance. This happens right after Luke 2, 14. I love it. You'll hear it in songs. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, uh, peace, goodwill towards men. So you'll hear this in songs. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. The angels come out and they declare the good news message. 
They declare it. Hey, Jesus is coming. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. This is not a good advice message. This is a good news message. And here's what I wrote real quick. Good news is about receiving. So the angels come on board. Peace is here. Who wants it? Goodwill now. You have the option to say yes to grace and to have the will of God direct your steps and to be redeemed and restored. It has arrived. It is at your steps. It is within your grasp. You just have to receive it. That's good news. So good news is about receiving. Good advice is about achieving. Angels could have came and said, hey, I got a couple ideas. You want some peace? Here's uh, five religious uh, routes for you to go. And uh, good luck. Peace on earth, maybe. <laughs> good advice, I hope you can do it. Uh, good advice would be saying, all right, uh, good, well, well, maybe. We'll see what happens. If you're good enough, maybe Jesus will still save you. Uh, if you're good enough, maybe you'll die on the cross. No, it is a declaration. The good news is about a declaration, not a suggestion. The angels don't come suggesting. They come boasting to the gates of hell. Woo! Hey, hell, you know all the dominion you've had, all the depression and all the death? Guess what happened? All this um, um, divisiveness? Well, peace is gonna now enter the earth. This is non-negotiable. It is a declaration. Another thing I wrote down is good advice is an idea. Good news is a statement. <laughs> Sorry, Satan, we're not debating here. Peace is gonna happen. Goodwill for, my man, for, for mankind, it's happening. Mankind, mankind's gonna be restored. Basically, if I put it this way, performance has exploded. Religion is about performance. The gospel is about Jesus. The Christmas story is about the savior of the world coming and declaring things that we can never do, being birthed in a way that we can never be birthed, dying a death we can never die, conquering something we can never conquer so we could receive all the things those angels just declared. Goodwill and peace. He came to explode performance. Some of you, you may be really good at performing, but you're terrible uh, at receiving. This Christmas, can I give you a gift? Receive from God this year. Receive peace from him. Well, I, I need to do more to have peace. No, just hang on in his presence and have peace. Well, I don't know if he has good things for me. I, I've done too much. No, receive the plan for your life. It's not about what you did. It's about what he did. And last but not least, Jesus came to destroy death. This is some John McClane stuff. I'm just gonna be honest. Like literally, like, yeah, John McClane had plans. He blew up a building, okay? Jesus came up and he came to blow up death, to defeat death. Matthew 2, let me finish with this. So Jesus is birthed and the wise men come to present him gifts. Let's read it. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose up ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and uh, presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country uh, by another route. Stop. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're gonna finish with this. They bring three gifts, not just any gift. They're not like, oh, what do I get Jesus? Uh, uh, I heard he's the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, do we get him a, uh, do you ever have a problem like, oh, what do I get my wife or what do I get my husband or what do I get my kids? They had no problem getting these three things. All three of these things had a significant meaning to the king of kings and the savior of the world. First one is gold. You never come to a king empty-handed and the gift that you bring is gold. It's the, it's the medal of a king. So they bring uh, gold representing you are the king of kings. Here's some gold. Then they bring some frankincense. Frankincense is for priests to anoint. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an oil of priest. Can I just tell you something real quick? You know what the uh, Latin word for priest is? Bridge builder. 
Do you see everything that Jesus did, even genealogy? Destroyed walls and was starting to build bridges between sinners and saints. So they come to the priest and say, here's some frankincense to the priest of all priests. You're gonna build bridges where never bridges could be built. Death is on this side and life is on this side and only a priest can lay his life down and be the bridge of all bridges. Here's some frankincense to the priest of all priests. And last but not least, myrrh. Do you know what myrrh is for? It's for death. It's to embalm a body. Why would you bring myrrh to a baby? Are you some sick wise man? What in the world are you thinking? Here's what they were thinking. We understand what is happening. This little baby has come to earth to die on a cross for mankind. They brought myrrh to prepare a baby's body for death. Can I tell you something real quick? Candlelight service. Oh, the candle's lit. Oh, it's nice and, and shiny. No, no, no. The reason why we hold a candle and we don't hold it cavalier is because a baby was born. So... He could die on a cross, and here's what happened. Let me just give you the picture. Jesus came to earth, and here's why. He gets sent by his father. He didn't go on his own. It was by his cord. You read that in scripture. And it had to look a little bit like this. I need you to go say yes to the darkness of sin so mankind can say yes to the light of heaven. I know that you're the light of the world. I know that you are light. We see that in John over and over again. And you're going to have to become sin who knew no sin, become all and bear all the darkness. So somebody like a Tyler, who only knows darkness, who, who embraced darkness with his flesh, could one day say, I want light. And so when I hold a candle on candlelight service, it is not a tokenary thing in my life. I don't grab a candle and say, oh, it's just a can another candlelight service. I understand that a baby from day one knew that it was going to die for you and I so we can say yes to light because he was gonna say yes to darkness. This candlelight service, where we're gonna go into a song in just a second, don't take it cavalier. My life has changed forever because a baby was born and tasted death so I could be reborn and taste life. If you never said yes to Jesus, I wanna give anybody at home an opportunity to say yes to salvation, no to hell, yes to blessing, no to cursing. The greatest gift I've ever experienced is salvation. The greatest gift I've ever experienced is a thing called grace that transformed my life, that took me from what I would call just depression and death and took me to joy and peace and abundance, a life that I never thought I could have. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, and not just yes, yes, I'm not asking you to say yes to Santa, I'm asking that you'd have a merry moment where you say, Jesus, my life is yours. My life is yours. I'm your servant. I'm yours. If you want to say yes to Jesus, I want you to type in the chat. I want to say yes to Jesus today. If, you want to, uh, if you're saying yes to Jesus right now, you're confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart like it says in Romans. You got to tell somebody, call somebody, tell me you said yes to Jesus today. You're saying, I was listening to the Christmas message today and I realized, man, I want Jesus. If you uh, don't want those two, go online and we'll have a pastor follow up with you. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.